So hi, welcome to the Grown-Eyes Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm Glory. And we're here with... Uh, my name's Tom. I'm the singer for the band Casey. And we have some questions say about their new album, How to Disappear. So congrats on that, by the way. How do you feel about the response to it so far? Yeah, it's been overwhelmingly positive. Um, we've never been a band that has been particularly uh, controlled by kind of public reception and things. Um, and we've always tried to maintain that once a body of work reaches the public domain, it has already been critiqued to death by us anyway. So it's like, you know, whatever anybody else thinks of it is sort of not irrelevant, but like it's the least of our concerns because we've already scrutinized it to, to the point of no return anyway. So like it, it wouldn't have been released if we weren't happy with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, but yeah, people have been really, really kind about it. Um, we've seen a lot of good feedback from both old fans and new people coming to the band and finding us through the record. So yeah, we've been super happy with it. Oh yeah, the album rocks. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, Thank it's you. fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, is there any meaning behind the album title or cover art? Um. So the title we didn't initially. The album title was the last thing to to be finalized. We didn't have like whereas, um, with "Love Is Not Enough" and "Where I Go When I'm Sleeping," both of them kind of came out during the writing process, where like they were standout lines that I was like, "Yep, yeah, this is like a concept that I'm writing towards. This feels all encompassing." Whereas with this one, we got to the end and then it was like, what summarizes this for like, what summarizes what's going on here for us? Um, And how to disappear just ended up being that kind of point of summary that really boiled down most of the themes that are explored on the record. Um, And it just happened to be the name of the closing song in there as well. So um, that it wasn't uh, intentional for it to, like I said, for it to be a title track. Uh, or like for it, it, it to be named after a song or anything like that but um but yeah it was just the the statement from the record that we felt was all-encompassing the set the runner-up was it was going to be i was happy when you died so it was going to be one of those two for the record um and the cover art um and sort of the other single arts as well like all of it was intended to tie together um to some degree and just kind of give us a sense of um kind of departure i think is the 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 best word for it um that sort of like as if you were visiting a house that you hadn't been to for a long time like a loved one or a friend or something where um they perhaps moved on so it's like not quite homely i don't think like it doesn't feel in the sense that like uh hope uh home like no place there is or like those sort of records where it is just like a full-on house and it's like oh this is somebody's house kind of thing it kind of gives the impression a bit of like a place that you might have visited and like a memory that you might have had uh, of mm-hmm. like a place that's passed. Um, kind of that feeling. There's a Welsh word for it called hiraith. Um, but it's like, yeah, the, the the desire to return to a place that no longer exists is the is the definition mm-hmm. of that. But that's kind of what we were going for with it. Gotcha. That's incredible. Um, was there any sort of like struggle with picking a title for this record since you know previous works it has just kind of fallen out during the writing process whereas this one you had to sit down and like figure out what summarizes everything that you've written um no we had a pretty solid shortlist it wasn't this it wasn't the case that like we were sat there like racking our brains and it like it being a last minute decision or anything it was just which one did we feel was most appropriate when it came down to it and it was the case that once everything was written and recorded um i sat down i think it was me and toby uh initially that sat down and i just worked through everything and i was like look to me this is how i would summarize each of these songs and then from these summaries these are the core themes that i can pull out of them and be like these like 
the five things that I'm trying to convey or trying to discuss with this record. What do we think from everything that's available most accurately depicts these things? And that, um, and then just from that, like I said, we had a short list and then How to Disappear just ended up being the one that um, we like mocked it, like a bunch of them we mocked up on different covers and stuff um, and like different album styles and bits and pieces. We played around on Photoshop for ages, just seeing what looked like a good record cover and what kind of, from like a, a media press perspective as well, like what sounded like a good record uh, yeah. name. And, and like I said, How to Disappear was the one that just came out on top. Makes sense. Hell yeah. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your writing process for the album? The recording process for this one, far more uh, prepared, I would say we were, um, in the sense that previous, I mean, like where I go when I'm sleeping, I wrote the lyrics to that record, I wrote them in about three to five hours. Um and where, whereas this one was done over like a number of weeks uh, and okay. like it was done in a far more like kind of bit at a time like making sure that you'd I'd finished one piece before I moved on to the next piece um but in terms of like how I wrote it similar like similar to the others to be fair not a great deal changed in the sense that like I always try and pull up a list of interesting words that I just kind of use as like um uh, like brainstorming material um, I tend to read a lot more around the time just again just to kind of get inspiration flowing like find out how other people discuss their emotions and how they illustrate things and then work from there um, and then it was just a case of kind of writing after the first two or three that we'd written because Unique Lights was the first and then uh, what was the second song it might have been I Was Happy When You Died um, but once we got to a certain point of thinking, okay, I've got a pretty solid idea of like the themes that I'm wanting to explore. I do try and keep, like, once we start on a body of work, I do try and keep things within a fairly consistent realm rather than it being kind of all over the place, mm -hmm. um, just because it makes it easier to then bleed into things like artwork and things like storytelling and narrative and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it was just a case of kind of finding that rhythm and finding um, what I wanted to speak about. And then once I hit that stride, just trying to keep consistent with it and, and work towards it. Makes sense. You mentioned you find yourself reading more, like when you're starting a writing process. Um, when it comes to music, like do you find yourself listening to more or less music at that time? Um, I mean, I listen to a lot of music a lot of the time anyway. And um, I don't find that like listening to other people's music is a hindrance in any way. But I also don't think that I... I wouldn't sit down and be like, oh, I'm going to listen to a Touche More record. And because I, I find that I end up kind of, I don't know, gravitating towards sentiments that other people have already discussed if I do that too much. Yeah. Like if I listen to a record and I'm like, oh my God, like I really love what this guy's saying, I'll go away. And then, like, even if I don't intend to, like, I'll come back to it like an hour later and be like, oh, I'm, kind of saying the same thing but i just don't think it's quite as good as the way that they're saying it um so i, I don't tend to use other people's music particularly like especially not in our own genre um as like any source of inspiration i might use it as like structural inspiration sometimes so like i'll listen to um who's a good example there's a guy called pt uh who's like a singer american singer songwriter mm -hmm. um I listen to some of his stuff quite a bit because he he writes about very everyday, very mundane um, events and experiences. And I think he does it in a really great way. Um, and so 
I, I listen to him occasionally if I'm like I'm trying to describe something that's really big and metaphorical and something that's really grandiose and then I'm like oh my god like how do you contain this and then he does the total opposite where he will take like going to the grocery store and having a panic attack and just blow it out into like a really beautifully written ballad um and uh, I'll do things like that but um yeah I don't tend to find that like I'm not yeah I'm not compensating by listening to it more or less uh when, when I'm writing fair enough gotcha mm-hmm. makes sense uh, so what song off this album took longest to write and which one is your personal favorite longest to, as in like musically or lyrically it could be both I just kind of say like start to finish okay um which ones did we because there were a few that like we do tend to find that a lot of our music will come together very quickly mm-hmm. um in the sense that like from the point of us from the point of ideation to the point of having at least a skeletal demo together happens within a day or two normally like it's, mm-hmm. it's generally doesn't tend to be more than that uh and we do tend to find that like if we start writing a song and then it kind of peters out a bit we don't tend to finish it but it's because we've always found in the past that the best songs are the ones that we just organically like pick up and run with yeah um were there any that we sort of like i mean unique lights was one that like i said it was the first one that we wrote but it was also the one that we were kind of tinkering with for a long time um same as how to disappear as well like they were both songs that we like had that skeletal demo down pretty quickly and then we also kind of like touched on them and came back to them and that was again one of the things about the fact that this record we did it over such a long period of time versus the others was that even when we thought we were finished with something we would come back a week a month later mm-hmm. and check in on kind of oh how how do we still feel about this song like do we because like once we've written something we normally put it to bed and we're like yeah that's in the bag let's we'll stick that in a dropbox folder and then we'll just pull it back out when it's time to actually do the record but then this mm-hmm. time around we were very much like coming back to things periodically and thinking oh do we still feel the same way about this like how like is there anything that we would change mm-hmm. so there were a few that like we i would say most of the record to be honest we were like like i said come back and forth quite a bit on them um seller was another example that was one that we had a demo for it really early on but the actual finished product is quite different from the demo um just a lot more layering to it and a lot more because when we demo something it's generally just the core instrumentation it doesn't have any like additional percussion or pads or synths or anything like that in it and that's the kind of stuff that comes later in um and lyrically i mean yeah i think most of them i wrote I try to be pretty concise with and try to not move on from a song until I finished it, or at least had like enough that I could edit down. Um, I try not to leave myself more to write. Cause I find that once I've sort of left the mind frame of when I start writing a song, um, it's, it's difficult to then pick it back up in the same vein. Um, I would probably say how to disappear it was the one that like took me the longest to write just because we knew that we wanted it to be like the big, as soon as we wrote it, we were like, this is the the closing song of the record. And it's like, we wanted it to have that uh, big crescendo feel to it. And I didn't want there to be any screaming on it. And um, I wanted to make sure that Toby and Liam were involved vocally as well. And so it was like, yeah, 
we went back and forth with it quite a bit on like different vocal ideas and stuff. And I think that bled into like me changing the lyrics and kind of changing some of the melodies and stuff. So I would say that one probably took us the longest to to finalize. Okay. And you said that if a song doesn't, you know, form organically or quickly, you guys kind of just drop it. So what is that based on? Is it based on time? It took a week, so we're just dropping it? Or is it kind of based on temperament where it's like, we just got frustrated, fuck it, we're done? It's not even necessarily frustration. It's just like, as we're writing it, kind of like, are we excited to continue writing this song? Like, the, when when I listen to the, like, when I listen to this demo, when I listen to this part song, how do I feel about it? And like, would I want to listen to this when it's finished? Like, if it gets to a point where like, it, I'm working on it, but it feels like work, it doesn't feel like I'm making something, then we're just like, look, is it worth us continuing to invest our time in this? Because we weren't like on a deadline or anything. We weren't, you know, we didn't put ourselves under the gun to say this record has to be completed by X date. Like our label mm -hmm. said, um, they kind of gave us a, a window when they wanted to release the record. But even then they were like, look, if this doesn't happen by this point, it's not the end of the world. Just let us know. We can push that back. That's fine. So we had all the time in the world to work on stuff, but it was like, do we keep um, like flogging a dead horse or do we just park this and we'll just move on to a different idea and see if that one comes together like more organically. So mm -hmm. they weren't like, I say that as if we, you know, we do that all the time. There might've been four or five songs that kind of, we started and didn't finish that would just die in a Dropbox folder. And like maybe one day, we'll revisit them and yeah. like make something else of them or like make interludes out of them or whatever, like, or just strip ideas out to put into new songs. But um, yeah, it's, it's not something that we do like all the time, but yeah, it's just that, um, that kind of attachment to them and that feeling like, is this worth our time to continue? Like, do I feel like I said, excited about working on this? And if not, when I said, we'll just put it to rest. For sure. And do you usually find like, is everyone usually on the same page when it comes to that? Where it's like, okay, is anyone having fun with this still? Or are we all just kind of sick of it? Um, yeah, we're pretty democratic in that regard. And I think that we're all generally pretty like, there, there are a few occasions where there will be one, particularly if it's like a song that one of us has really driven the writing of, like if it hasn't been a, a like, kind of a group thing, like yeah. if this is like if Toby or Liam has come up with like the core idea and they're the ones that are like, no, I like, I have a vision for this, mm -hmm. but like if it then sort of doesn't materialize and they're the ones to be like, actually, I really don't know about this. The rest of us are going to be like, no, no, like you should continue with this kind of thing. You know, it'll be the case that the majority of the time, if one person is like, I don't like this and this is the reason I don't like it. We're, we're pretty like yeah that's fair enough let's try something else like rather than just like hammering our heads against a wall kind of thing yeah that's healthy awesome <laughs> good yeah. um so how'd the track list for the album come about did you guys write the opener be the opener closer be a closer just shuffle around and see what fits what was that process like um yes to the opener and the closer like um unique lights and how to disappear were written and as soon as they were done, we were like, I want that to be the opening song. And that, and again, that, that was a pretty uniform decision where we were like, yeah, that's fine. Like, I understand why sonically and lyrically, like, they fit as those spaces. And then everything else, it was just a case of putting all the demos in a pot and just listening through them. Like, when you reach the end of a song thinking, this is what I want to experience next, or this is where I think sonically the record should go, and then finding the song in the remaining pool that best fit that kind of continuation so like you'd get to the end of a song and think okay cool i'm pretty pent up now i want something that's a little bit more chilled out to sort of bring me down before i start kind of climbing again mm 
mm-hmm. um, or the other way around thinking, you know, that was a nice, like after like seller, for example, thinking, oh, you know, that's a nice cathartic, just like sit back and listen kind of thing. I want something that's going to be a bit heavier or a little bit more exciting to come straight after it to then kind of like pep me up again for the rest of the record. Um, we're pretty big on, and we were the same with the others with this as well, um, that kind of like ebb and flow of energy through a record rather than like front loading all the <laughs> like all the heavier, faster songs at the front and then having it like really peter up like to, towards the end and be like, oh yeah, all the all the sad slow songs are in like the last third because you're just going to you're just going to turn the record off at that point like you're going to listen to the fast stuff and just be like oh yeah whereas like if i think if you structure it in a way that it kind of comes in and out and kind of drip feeds that energy and like pulls it back into like that sort of somber tone it feels i don't know it's a better experience i think i would agree yeah oh yeah uh would you be able to tell us where your headspace is at while you're creating this record um we were all pretty comfortable to be honest um I think with the others, I, I mentioned this when we did the mail out um, kind of shortly ahead of release and said that like the other two records were very much created in a um, like a pressure cooker environment um, in the sense that like we were on a very strict deadline. We had a very finite amount of time in the studio. Um, we were less prepared for them. And it was like, you get what you get. Like we went in, threw everything at them and like made the best of it and came out with the records that we came out with. Whereas with this one, like I said, there was a lot more time, a lot more space, a lot more opportunity to revisit things and like refine and work on things as we were recording. Um, so we we were all pretty like in a pretty good mood, to be honest. It was uh, it was a really relaxing experience for the most part. Um, obviously, we got to visit Middle Farm Studios down in um, like the southwest of England, which is a beautiful, picturesque, like converted barn studio. To- do the drums and we've recorded um St. Peter there as well just as a kind of improv um and then the rest of the time was split between our friend Tim's studio in Cardiff and Toby's home studio and then we finished off vocals uh with a friend of Liam's called Neil Kennedy um and and yeah that, it, it never really felt like we were like pressurized nothing ever felt like there was no like negative reinforcement to any of it um it, it was just very um just very organic and very just kind of like collaborative as well which was really nice whereas before it's like uh like with where i go for example liam could only be at the studio for part of the time because he has work and a family um so here was the case that he was dropping in just filling in his parts and then he was leaving whereas this time around because we gave ourselves so much more time it was the case that we could be there for each other more often than not and like really bounce ideas off each other or give feedback in the moment rather than it getting to the end and being like oh i wish you could have been here to give me some like guidance on this or i wish that i could have got your feedback on x y and z kind of thing um and i think that was particularly prevalent in vocal recording because liam and toby are such great vocalists in their own rights so when i was coming to record stuff it would be the case that i would stand there and i would take a take and i could turn around them say what did you think of that do you think we could change anything um is there something more interesting we could be doing with this? Because um, a lot of my vocal melodies are, are, are very like, sing-songy, very like, um, I think some of we recorded with previously uh, described them as being like lullaby-esque. Um, very, like, just, just very like basic, like uh, whereas Toby and Liam tend to think outside the box a little bit in that regard and they can add a more kind of interesting flair to things. So um, yeah, it, it was just a, a nice, like wholesome experience for the most part. Gotcha. And like having having them in the room with you when you're in the vocal booth, does that push you vocally as well? 
yeah for sure and like there was certainly like particularly like a lot of the higher stuff on the record where i'd stand there and be like ah, oh, no i can't hit that like it, we're working with neil and he'll be there with like a piano and he'd say oh you know it's this note and i'd like dude one i have no idea what that means and two <laughs> and that sounds really high i can't do that like mm -hmm. and then liam would be like oh of course you can it's just exactly the same note that's on this other song that you've already done or it's a lower note than the one that you've already hit it just because of where it's placed in this song it sounds higher but like you can definitely do that and there were lots and lots of uh um there's at the end of for kd i think it is um where in the other choruses there's a falsetto note and then in the last chorus i do it as a full voice note and when toby said suggested it i was like no way dude like that's so high like the reason i've been falsettoing it is because i can't and he was like no of course you can like just just do it and then got in there and just did it and i was like oh okay yeah actually like that's way easier than i thought it was gonna be um but yeah it's uh yeah the, like, it, it wasn't just a case that like they would sit there and be like no you should change this no like you should like they they were there as like a point of encouragement as well for sure awesome oh yeah. very supportive that's that's amazing yeah. um so how do you recommend your fans to listen to this album for the first time if you're doing the car with friends and dark with headphones on is workout album party album what do you personally recommend uh i would definitely say re like headphones headphones record um i think the day it came out somebody tweeted us and they were just like i i like i got up and just like went on a walk on my lunch break and i listened to it through for the first time then and i was like that sounds like a like a good way to me to, to like listen to it i don't like i suppose it like depends on like personal headspace and stuff as well like when you're listening to it because the themes i don't think are like too shocking um and they're not like too graphic but i guess that like there is some connotation of um like thinking about like dying and stuff on it um so i think that like maybe if you're in a negative headspace perhaps going for a walk and you're listening to it might not be the best way uh but um, yeah, for the most part, like we we write records. We we've always tried to maintain that we want to write a body of work that you can sit and listen to from front to back, rather than just writing hit singles and just filler material. Um, and so, I think for us, if we were to recommend a way to listen to it, we would want someone to listen to it from front to back and just in whatever setting is most comfortable to them. But yeah, I would say headphones, unless you have like great speakers, in which case, obviously, you know, go for it that way. But yeah, oh, yeah. Sure. all right. Uh, so this one should be super, super quick off the top of your head. I want you to describe this album for new listeners in three words. No more, no less. Ethereal, contemplative. Oh, I can't think of the word. I can think of a word, but it doesn't really make sense. Um, um, I'd like to hear it still. I'm now curious. I was going to say du duality, but like I, I suppose you could put those three words together. Ethereal, mm. contemplative, duality. That doesn't like that sounds like kind of managed like marketing speak. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm saying I'm saying things, but like if you I think if I went up to somebody in the street, it was like, hey, do you want to listen to a, a ethereal contemplative duality record? They're gonna be like, what the fuck? Are you what are you saying? trying to sell me? Yeah, yeah. Like, what does that even mean, dude? Um, it's just like I think what I'm trying to get at is that it's big and uh, it explores real themes of like that aren't super like volatile or explosive like they're they're just like very everyday experiences that people would have like i i've been sat on the bus on the way to work in the past and like been just like staring at the window thinking i'm gonna die one day and like that's not like an in, like 
a life-affirming or life-altering experience. It's just like I thought about it for 15 minutes on the bus and then I went to work that day and then I forgot about it for a while, you know? And it's like, yeah. explores the, like, reality of those experiences and those feelings. Um, and then I think that, like, the duality aspect of it is that there is that... Um, we, we've tried to incorporate both the... Like, the heavy and the light and, you know, the the cliche sentiments of like the heavy bits are heavier the dark like the bits lighter and all you know the, the bigger bits are bigger and all this kind of nonsense um but yeah i, I find it difficult to to then summarize that into three pretty words unfortunately <laughs> i think you did a good job and then and then you explained your marketing speak so exactly. yeah, yeah. all tied it together <laughs> um so in that same train of thought is there a certain feeling or emotion you want listeners to have while going through the album Mm, not a singular emotion i wouldn't say no somebody asked about this recently where they said that uh, obviously the ending of seller there's the refrain of how could i know peace and asking whether or not this record is an attempt to kind of make peace or find peace or whatever and it's not i don't think it's can be simplified that far i i could probably like make a case for it uh for that being true but in in the grander scheme of things i think it's trying to discuss and accomplish more than that um i think that that kind of um i suppose introspection is something that we like if, if i was going to be really like finicky about it, it would be what i would want people to kind of come away from it with and the sort of having a think about like your own perceptions of death and life and like how you feel about the life that you've lived and kind of what legacy you may leave behind and sort of how you perceive the legacies of other people that you've known or that you currently know and like how you think that you will feel about them after they're not around anymore and whether that's death or whether like you just grow apart or whatever that is mm -hmm. um and, and just that that level of kind of like thoughtfulness uh, is kind of what i want to leave behind i guess perfect oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, so are you able to touch on any particularly challenging or standout moments from the creation of this record, positive or negative? Um, I mean, like vocally, it's definitely like there were there were a lot of those moments where um, I would try like try doing something and it wouldn't work out or like it would be too high or um, I would like struggle finding the key for a record and I would get frustrated in um, in like recording it because I would like Quite a few of the songs I think are in like natural C minor, I think. Um, and then there are, but there are like a few that are not. And then I would find myself that I'd be, as I'd be singing, I would be slipping back, particularly if we'd recorded in one key and then we like moved to a different song that was in a different key. I'd like really struggle to switch between the two. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think there was anything that was like banging my head against a wall, frustrating, like nothing that was like so challenging that it was like, detrimental to us as a group um it was like i said it was just a, a really easy experience which i think was something that we were like not concerned about to to any real degree but like conscious of going into the recording and this goes back to like great grief and a tone as well obviously coming off the back of the hiatus and that kind of feeling of how are we going to work together and like how are we going to feel about being in this room with each other and so on and so forth and the fact that we came back together and it felt as if like nothing had really changed to be honest and like you know we just got on as we had previously and we worked together really well everybody takes criticism like reasonably well there are obviously some parts where like you're more personally invested than others and there were some that like you would fight for like more than others but like for the most part if we were trying something and it obviously wasn't working and somebody turned around and said hey 
why don't we do this instead there was very little no like we have to do it this way kind of thing like if something needed to change then it changed like that was that was just how it was um and we just kind of trusted the process on that um and i think that you know it it worked out for the best absolutely oh yeah um so since you're going to be back out on tour very soon we have to ask what's your go-to snack at a gas station or a rest stop uh kit kat kit kat you have a special kit kat flavor or just the original straight up just a regular kit kat i think it like it kind of that so that's true for america there's other things i suppose other places but um I, I tend to find that I can't really snack here just because everything is so sugary. Um, and a kick like Kit Kat just like, I don't know, it just reminds you of home, I guess. Like it's just one of those pieces that like, it's just consistent. So it's yeah. like kind of grounding in a way. Um, the other thing, I enjoy a, a, a Snapple natural apple. Ooh. Like, um, but again, uh, as a rarity, I tend to drink a lot of water on tour, but like mm-hmm. every now and again, I'll get one of those because it's they're just tasty full of sugar but tasty so it's a treat yeah 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 exactly. the one thing that we'd all been eating quite a bit of this tour is just like top ramen bowls <laughs> like yeah yeah we have, one, you, have one of those for lunch you add anything to it or you just add in the water in the packet yeah just straight up yeah a lot of the time like we particularly with those kind of things like we're eating for convenience and like just for subsistence rather than like oh my god i love a top ramen bowl because there's not an enormous amount of flavor in them and there's a very limited like number of things that you can accomplish in the confines of our bus so it's like we just we just eat that because it's cheaper than spending like 15 dollars at a at a gas station to get food fair enough yeah for sure <laughs> uh and on the topic of food if the band was a dish what dish would the band be and why casey dear okay why just, just because it rhymes of the with a name. name. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's like, like. I had the I had an idea that when we uh, just before we broke up, we did like a a one off show in uh, Cardiff under a, under a different name uh, because we had a we had a proximity clause on our one show that meant that we couldn't play a show in Cardiff, but we wanted to play a final Welsh show. Mm-hmm. So us holding absence and a friend's band called Wildlife all played under different names. Um, and I was like, I'm going to set up a food truck that sells quesadillas. And then I realized that, like, in the UK, you need, like, insurance and, like, hygiene, hygiene permits and, like, that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, it's not worth that. Yeah, yeah all that loser <laughs> shit, right? Just, yeah, just yeah. sell a quesadilla. Democ- democracy. <laughs> yeah. Can't sell quesadillas at the merch table, I guess. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> Um, and for the last couple of questions, we're going to shift completely away from music and go straight to death row. Oh. So if you're on death row, what would your last meal be with a drink? We had this conversation on the bus recently. Um, mine, I think, was very like uh, Italian, Scandinavian focus. So I was like a ceviche of some description. Um, just as like something like light and fresh to begin. Um a massive pasta lover, so I would say like some form of tortellini. Probably Ooh. there's a place in Bristol that does a really good like roasted butternut squash and like fried sage tortellini with like a brown butter, something like that. Yeah. Um, and then dessert tiramisu, because my favorite dessert of all time. Yeah. Um, and then what would I have for a drink? Probably a Dr Pepper. Like I don't really drink much of it anymore, but like historically, it's probably my favorite drink. So yeah, sounds good. Good lineup. Oh, yeah. And if you could live in one fictional world for a week, where would you live? One fictional world for a week. 
we would just be absolutely chaotic. Um, I'd probably live in like Morrowind or somewhere from Skyrim. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, just because that, that place is all sorts of fun. <laughs> it is, yeah. So you'd you'd want to be like a what is it, Dragonborn, right? No, no, no. I I would just be a villager, just a, you... a spectator, just NPC. <laughs> yeah. You just want to be an NPC? What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to be involved in all that shit. Like, I don't want to get fucking eaten by a dragon. I just want to work at the inn. Just you just want to see someone get eaten by a dragon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. No, no. I get it. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, I have thought of asking the last question. Every single person that we've spoken to have said that it is the most important question. What's your favorite color? Green. Specific shade of green? Like forest green, I guess. Like a darkish green, like forest emerald. Oh, solid. That's solid. Um, so as I said, that's all the questions we have today. Is there anything that you would like to plug? Oh, God. Get your flu shots. Um, <laughs> do not skip on those. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm really bad at this, like, this final part of it. Okay. Obviously, just an enormous thank you to anyone that's checked out the record. Um, and thanks very much for having me. Of course. Of course. Well, thank you for now. This has been uh, Tom from Casey, and we have been the Good Noise Podcast.